0: really want to start off by saying that I'm an immigrant to this country. You know, I was born in Calcutta, India, and my mom had a sari business. And when I was four years old, made the brave decision to buy two plane tickets and immigrate just her and I to New York. And that's where I grew up. And as an immigrant mother, she wanted me to get a very practical career. Education was very front and center. So I studied economics, um, I went to Rutgers University and then I became a banker at JP Morgan. And wow. after a couple of years of doing that, I realized, oh wow, I actually um, not very fond of just a single bottom line return on capital. And I wanted to explore other ways of engaging. And so I actually started consulting, went back to India, but this time in the consultant bubble.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. As you know, one of the things that I enjoy the most is the cross-pollination of ideas. And that's why when you look across the conferences that I put together, the podcast guests that I bring to the show, very often you are going to find a wide variety And very diverse group of people coming from different sectors, different industries, some of them from HR, others from outside HR and other functions. And I love that because this this cross-pollination of ideas is critical to the success of the organization, but specifically to the success of HR, of course. So I'm really happy to be chatting today with a friend of mine, Shamik, who who has a, a... you know, very eclectic career, and now he is leading North America for the World Economic Forum. He's been working with businesses, helping them scale, building partnerships, and he's been in the space for so long. So, Shamik, it's such a pleasure to be chatting with you today. How are you?
0: Hey, Enrique. Thanks so much. Really, really excited to be here I love the Hacking HR platform and uh, very excited to have this very momentous conversation with you, actually.
1: Absolutely. And and we're going to have a lot of uh, interesting insights in the conversation. But first of all, let me ask you, uh, I I just want to know a little bit about your career and how do you end up in the World Economic Forum? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks for asking. Well, I really want to start
0: off by saying that I'm an immigrant to this country. You know, I was born in Calcutta, India, and my mom had a sari business. And when I was four years old, made the brave decision to buy two plane tickets and immigrate just her and I to New York. And that's where I grew up. And as an immigrant mother, she wanted me to get a very practical career. Education was very front and center. So I studied economics. Um, I went to Rutgers University and then I became a banker at JP Morgan. And wow. after a couple of years of doing that, I realized oh, wow, I actually am um, not very fond of just a single bottom line return on capital. And I wanted to explore other ways of engaging. And so I actually started consulting, went back to India, but this time in the consultant bubble. And if you've ever been in a developing country, Uh, in a consultant bubble, you stay in a five-star hotel, paid for by your clients, and then you walk out and there's abject poverty. And that juxtaposition really gave me some pause. And I said to myself, oh, wow, like, I'm so privileged to have grown up in America. And what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And so when I came back to the States, I said to myself, well, I want to have more purpose in my life. And I fell into working on private public partnerships specifically connecting the corporate space with nonprofits and governments and that really led me to where I am now uh, at the world economic Forum, which is an international organization for private public collaboration
1: yeah and 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 the work that I know you are doing and the work that the World economic Forum is doing is just fascinating i I mean I I am um, I you I use so much of the research coming out of the World economic Forum to uh, you know to make a stronger point about, you know, how much we need to change and transform ourselves. And let me me use this actually as a segue to to my next question. And, And I know that one thing that came out of the World Economic Forum and really concerns the leadership of the World Economic Forum and yourself is what is called the fourth industrial revolution. And I know you've done extensive work into what it means for individuals and what it means for organizations. But if you can break it down a little bit more, what is this fourth industrial revolution thing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was a a term coined by our founder and it really talks about the current period of unprecedented change, which is driven by rapid technological advances in what we know, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, how we use data and precision medicine to just kind of name a few. What's interesting though, is that we've seen companies actually implement these changes in the pandemic over the last three months faster than they ever have done before. However, a lot of the policies and regulations, we know have not been able to keep up with this pace of innovation. And as a result, these technologies continue to increase inequality, continue to create social and political rifts, and all of that has been just really further exposed by the pandemic. Uh,
1: absolutely. and. It's, it's funny because, well, it's not funny. It's actually uh, telling and, and a compelling story of, for, you know, the World Economic Forum has been saying, you, you need to pay attention to this. You need to become a more human organization. You know, the bottom line is not just the financial bottom line. It's purpose. It's humanity. It's human skills. And for a long time, organizations have been like, you know, like um, so, somewhat ignoring or neglecting you know the, the power of these ideas, but the pandemic brought them back to the forefront, and and it seems that it accelerated some of the things that for so long have been uh, talked about, and particularly by the World Economic Forum. So I want to ask you: pandemic, fourth industrial revolution, how is that um, intertwining of of uh, you know ideas uh, working? What how has the pandemic affected? Uh, the the development of this fourth industrial revolution?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so a lot of the technological changes started prior to the pandemic, but the rapid acceleration though, is something that we've never experienced in human history. So the question then becomes, how do we as leaders embrace and thrive in such a fast changing environment? (laughs) And I've really identified top three challenges that leaders are facing today. The first is, around embracing ambiguity. Ambiguity is just certain in all parts of our world today. And it has become really difficult to predict the future and plan for it. The second is this big shift in employees and consumer expectations. So today the decisions made by a company is so closely aligned to and reflect the values of that company. That means that leaders need a whole new lens in how to make decisions that actually foster trust, foster collaboration, And motivate their people and then the third piece of it is we continue to see a lack of vulnerability in our leaders and we have to ask why is it that we place as a society such expectations for our leaders to always be right you know and at a time of incredible change when forces that actually forces us to reconsider decisions on a moment-by-moment basis what we really need right now is extreme agility over needing to show that we always have the answers
1: Uh, absolutely and and you know we we could spend an entire you know 10 hour (coughs) podcast talking about each of these three challenges right and 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 I I think they are I want to bring them back up again because I think they are so critical for us to become more aware of what they are, and of course then think about how they impact ourselves individually and our organizations. You talk a little bit about embracing ambiguity, you talk a little bit about the, the big shift in consumer uh, expectations, which I think is fascinating by the way, and um, vulnerability especially from the leadership perspective. In fact this morning, I don't even know if I can, I can uh, uh, you know, in the case of the World Economic Forum, I can use the, the company as, a, as an example, but I was in line to get a coffee at, at a Starbucks and you know, literally I parked my car next to the machine. I said, I want this coffee. I used the app. The app is the simplest app that I've ever seen in my life. It's just the simplest thing and pay the thing. And I wasn't there for more than, I don't know, three or four minutes. And I was thinking, if I am getting as an individual, as a consumer, I'm getting this service from a Starbucks, I am I'm getting somewhat spoiled, and then I'm gonna expect the same thing from my employer to treat me. With the same seamlessly uh, seamlessly, uh, you know, in in the processes that we run at work, you know, you think like, why if I can order a coffee and pay so easily, why do I have to make stuff at work so complicated? So it's it's fascinating that you that you that you talk about that. Uh, Shamik, one thing that that of course has been happening over the past uh, uh, you know several months since the pandemic started is. Uh, this new approach of work, remote work, hybrid work, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, I I want to ask you, in your experience, based on the fact that now we're using technology, do you think people are going to trust more in technology as an enabler of humans, as an enabler of of a better workplace? Because we've already experienced some of that while working remotely. Yeah, you know, I, I do want to zoom
0: in To your point in one of the three obstacles that leaders are facing and it's really around employee expectations Mm -hmm. and trust being a key enabler of that and i'll share with you a personal example that really demonstrates the need for this in in today's working environment so as we know the pandemic has really accelerated the fourth industrial revolution and consequently i mentioned the social and economic divides And really a significant example of that is the racial reckoning that our country has still been going through after the murder of George Floyd. So in June 2020, a a year ago now, a lot of companies put out statements on Black Lives Matter, set forth commitments, yet many within my network, professionals of color working and and all types of professionals working feel that little change is happening. Mm -hmm. And also a lot of them feel that a lot of the statements were performative. So last year I started our employee resource group with a few of my colleagues that's completely employee led because we needed a place to grieve just as POC employees and that safe space is where we were experiencing all kinds of emotions because we still had to show up to work even yeah. though we were going through this trauma and continue to go through it a year later, I would say it's one of the most proudest accomplishments I've ever done because it's actually a source of resilience. You know, resilience for myself and my companies were non-existent, right? Yeah. The attack and the hate crimes continue, right? It moves from one community to the next, black, brown, Asian. What we do in this ERG is come together and help each other do as coworkers, which is unprecedented. Yeah. the community created is again a source of resilience for us in, in these very challenging and quite emotional times
1: yeah absolutely and, and I you know congratulations for doing that and I'm, I'm happy that you did it um because on my end you know build a, being a community builder as well it, it is what I hear from most people you know this need of uh, you know coming together to grow together to grieve together and, you know, to support each other with people that are, uh, you know, maybe in the same place where you are or in a different place, you know, hopefully further down the road, uh, you know, having experienced some of this in themselves or, you know, being able to help uh, each other. So I think this is very powerful. So Shamik, as we, as we get closer to the end of our conversation, I, I want to ask you one, one last question. For, for the past few years, the World Economic Forum has been putting out a list of the most important skills for the future of work. And whenever you look at them, one of the most fascinating things that I find <laughs> on the list is that um, there's no technicality, there's no like an artificial intelligence engineer or a data science expert. It's all human skills. You know, it's empathy, it's negotiation, it's critical judgment, it's collaboration. And I love that. And particularly the one that One of the ones that really catches my attention is empathetic leadership. Uh, Can you tell me more about what the World Economic Forum, what do you mean by that when you talk about empathetic leadership?
0: Yeah, and I'm happy to also give you my personal perspective here, which is empathic leadership is really how I believe you retain a diverse talent pool, which we all know is a key ingredient for innovation, right? That's been proven out. And it matters now more because talent have more mobility in a remote environment than we ever had before, right? So if you go on LinkedIn right now, you'll see a huge flood of people changing jobs. And you have to sit back and ask yourself, what is this a sign of? And I would say it's a reaction to a lack of empathy at work. People are not feeling heard, And disproportionately, the people that are leaving are people of color, are women. The first sign that your company is moving away from innovation is when your high performing diverse talents start to leave your company yeah. because it affects who remains, right? It affects yeah. whose perspectives get elevated, what issues get attention. And eventually it leads to creating more bias and decision-making.
1: Yeah.
0: So one key tool in developing empathy is active listening. And I just wish a lot more leaders listened to that. You know, if leaders try to make time to understand diverse perspectives, and most importantly, trying to understand the journey of people that are very different from them, I am confident things will change. If, and if leaders were truly listening, some of the challenges in companies around who gets promoted, who gets to speak, who's centered in a conversation, really gets exposed quickly. Because a lot of what I'm talking about is almost glaring in some organizations, yet the change seems really incredibly slow. Yeah. The final point I would make is that the window of opportunity is really short. There will be winners and losers that will be determined really quickly based on the companies that are able to adopt to this new environment. Because one thing is constant, right? Change is happening at a faster pace due to the implications of the fourth industrial revolution compounded by the pandemic.
1: Yeah.
0: But one thing to remember is this is also a collective, it's a shared responsibility. Yeah. So I'm here today to actively also listen to you and your audience to possibly co-create some of these solutions together, because it's not just on our leaders, it's, it's on all of us as employees, as, as humans, really. So Enrique, my question to you is, how do you think we can develop more empathy in the workplace?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is going to be the, the closing question for the, uh, for the podcast. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to something that sometimes feels very up in the air, but it's not. And it's being more human. And it feels up in the air because a person may say, but I'm a human, how can I be more of a human if I'm I'm already a human? And the reality is that you can translate this in so many different ways. One of them is just by asking people how they're doing and what they need from you, especially if you are in a leadership position, although you don't have to be in a leadership position to be asking this question. I have a friend, he works in a very large um, uh, firm, and he said to me, you know, over the past twelve months, nobody, not my boss, not HR, nobody has reached out to me to ask me how I'm doing. Nobody. And I, what, I, what, I, what I think when I talk about being more human at work is exactly that. You know, it doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to redesign processes. You don't have to be the most innovative company in the world. You have to be human by ask, you know, just ask somebody, how are you doing? Especially those that, you know, may be in a group of people that may be more vulnerable to the things that are happening. Uh, for example, people from minorities, people of color, uh, Black people, Latinos, women that have suffered so much through the pandemic, single women uh, that, you know, may be on the brink of uh you know, of, uh, of exhaustion and depletion because of all that's happening, just asking them the simple question of how are you doing? What can I do for you? That can make, that can make a whole difference in anybody's lives. So I think yeah. just by asking you that very basic question, how can we be more human? I think we can begin from there. So, Shamik, thank you so much for spending <laughs> this time with me. Um, great conversation, great chat, and congratulations on all the work that you guys at the World Economic Forum are doing. This is fascinating. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. Be more human. See you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.